There are many great characters in the Bible that God has used, uh, many great individuals that have incredible testimonies and stories to tell. But if you were to pick one Bible character that you could sit down and have lunch with and spend time with, who would be the one Bible character that you would pick? You know, it's it's hard truly to narrow it down to that because you'd think, man, um, one of the three Hebrews and that fiery experience that they had, that would be awesome to hear about, or Daniel, or Noah, or it'd be kind of fascinating to talk to some of, one of Noah's boys, you know, you think about that, they were going along with this, they trusted their dad, but if I, if I were to pick one, it would be the Apostle Paul, I mean, you talk about a life that was full, and he was at the pinnacle of life in the world, and then the miraculous uh, event on the road to Damascus, and uh, it's pretty amazing. You know, we sometimes think the road to Damascus, that's the same Damascus that's being bombed into oblivion today that, that we are living in. And his life was transformed, and so much of the New Testament we owe to him being a vessel that God used. It's God's Word, of course. And we come to the book of Colossians, and and we might ask about Paul. What made Paul so great? What made him so usable? What made him so influential? His influence goes on yet today. He faced many, many adversities. What what made him to have such persevering faith? And you can't read Paul's letters without noticing his passion. What made Paul so passionate? And and so victorious. He walked in victory. These letters, as the letter to the church at Colossae, <clears throat> was written from from prison. You'd never know it in in reading it. Um, and I would say one of the contributing things that that underlining in Paul's life was his prayer life. You notice he begins this letter to the believers in Colossae. He's never met the believers. He's never been to Colossae. So this is all through Epaphras, who he was instrumental in bringing to Christ. And he went there and started the church, whether that was his home area or not. We don't really know. But Paul heard back from the account of God's working there. And now he's writing a letter by the 
urging of Epaphras because there's some issues going on in the church. And honestly, have you ever thought almost every letter that Paul wrote was because there were issues in the church? Tells us a number of things. There are no perfect churches, and a lot of good can come out of issues in a church, right? So we have this letter. But you notice twice in just the passage we read, verse 3, he says, We give thanks to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. And look at verse 9. For this reason we also, since we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord and so on. Here was Paul in prison and he said that he prayed for those in Colossae. He didn't, he, we don't read a record of him praying that he'd be released from prison We don't read a record of him um, praying that Jerusalem would be freed from the Roman rule. We don't read a record of him praying for any personal need, so to speak, other than that I may have boldness to proclaim the gospel. In, In fact, you read through Paul's letter and, and he didn't, Pray very much for those that needed Christ. Although he had a great burden for the lost. And it's evident through his life. But he, in his letters, was praying for the believers. He was praying for the local church. And he realized the importance of that as the foundation for all work of God. And he offered, he offered prayers for these believers. We're not going to go in and study the request that he made here this morning. Uh, In your studies this evening, I'm sure you will. This week already, you've looked at those and and the details of what he did pray. But what he was doing was conveying his love and concern for these believers. Circumstances were very, very difficult for them. Um, They... They were in need of encouragement, and there can be no doubt about Paul being a man of prayer, writing and saying, I have continually, since I heard of your faith, I have continually been praying for you, and what an encouragement that would be to them. Colossae, if you've grown up in Christianity, you're familiar with Colossae, that yeah, there's a book by it. Colossae was not a big town. Colossae was not famous. Colossae, you can't find it today. They can't find any ruins of Colossae. It was, it was the Sheraton, Iowa of the Middle East, okay? Um, they probably didn't have Hy-Vee, and some of you may say that'd be good, and others may say that'd be too bad. But, but the point is, so this is the giant of the faith, Paul, and he's saying... I want you to know, since I heard of your faith, I have continually prayed for you. He wasn't just saying that as a matter of superfluous speech. It is what he did. He was a man of prayer. And we might ask, why did, why did 
Paul pray so much? Well, he was very aware of the spiritual warfare that is going on. We'll talk about that later. He realized it is only God that can help. My hope is in the Lord, we sang a moment ago. He realized as as um, well-versed as he was, he realized he was limited, that it's only God that can help. And he knew that the greatest and the best thing that he could do for others was pray. We, we all mentally know that, and yet the least participated ministry in Christianity today is the ministry of prayer. And we may ask the question, and we're going to ask it here, why don't we pray, or why don't we pray more? It's interesting, um, we did a survey, I don't know, a year ago or so on various aspects of our spiritual disciplines, and, and one of the things that came in the highest was, how many days a week do you pray? And, and the response was probably the highest of, of any others. And yet, when you, when you get in and look at our lives, you know, yeah, we all pray. Oh, man, there's a flat tire. Help me, Lord. I hope the jack is in the truck and I haven't left it in the barn or something, you know. We all shoot up flare prayers, but if you were to rate your prayer life on a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being the worst, 10 being the best, where would you put yourself? And, and most of us, if we're being honest, we know we're a long way from what Paul says. Who do we continually pray for? And we all have much room for improvement. And <clears throat> it's going to be very important that we get in today, and you've already looked at it in your studies what did he ask? As I said, we're not going to go into that. It really is immaterial what he asked if we don't pray. I mean, we're just adding it to our intellectual knowledge. All, oh, Paul prayed that they'd grow in the knowledge of his will so that they'd be spiritually strong and have wisdom and understanding. Well, that's great to know, but are we praying? Who is it besides you and yours that you intercede for? Again, Paul, Paul had no idea who these people were. He'd never seen a PowerPoint slide presentation of pictures of these people. He didn't have a phone to pull up a church directory. Ah, oh, the church at Colossae. Oh, yeah, here's the guy that, that Epaphras was telling me about. He didn't have all that. And yet, he was a man of prayer. So, uh, we want to look today, why don't we pray more than we do? And number one, honestly, <clears throat> in reality, we don't believe it makes a difference. And, and you might say, no, I believe it does. 
If we really believed it did, we'd pray more. We believe prayer makes a difference mentally, but is it manifested? Oh, it's important for me to pray today because this will make a difference in this person's life. This will make a difference here. See, the, the dangerous thing about prayer is that you pray and you don't notice anything different. Um, seldom is the prayer answered immediately that we know of. And, and because of that, because we're here and now people and because we walk by sight, not by faith, um, we don't see that it's making a difference and so we get discouraged in it and we quit. See, every, everybody likes to know that what they did mattered, that it improved things. That, that's why I like mowing the grass. When you're done, you can look back and say, wow, that looks nice. I got it done. And it's completed and it's improved. I like that because when I preach, nothing's done. You know what I mean? I can't ever look at anything very seldom. And many of you are in the same things with your work. But to look at anything and say, wow, look what got done. And that's what happens with prayer. We're, we seldom see that, some, whoa, look at what happened. And, and we are people that want immediate results. To persevere in prayer and to see God work, many times we don't do that. It also... We don't believe it makes a difference. And it feels like we're doing nothing. What, what did I do? I just stood here or sat here or walked here and I said some words. Is, is it any different than praying the rosary? Is it any different than, than the Jewish people at the wailing wall praying their memorized prayers? And many times our prayers are just memorized. And that's what Jesus said, don't use vain repetition. And, and so we, we feel like we're doing nothing. But our lack of prayer is a manifestation of the lack of faith in God's Word and the character of God. So if, if you had a friend that never in your life was, was any aid or help or benefit in your life, sooner or later you'd think, you know, what's the purpose of this? <clears throat> when we go to God and we don't see, from our perspective, Him acting the way we want Him to, then it's easy for us to think, well, you're of no use to me. There's so many things wrong with that. We don't have time to go into it. But really, it's an attack on the character of God. In Matthew chapter 7, 
beginning in verse 7, but in, in the whole Sermon on the Mount, he's instructing, and he says to them, If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more do you think your Heavenly Father will give good things unto them that ask Him? We often feel like we have a better chance talking to people than we do talking to God. And that is really because we don't know the heart of God. We don't know the heart. He said, if, if you, being evil, want to bless your children and want to, to help them and aid them, he said, you have an evil heart, you have a selfish heart, and yet you still want to do that. How much more the character of God, how much more... Does he want to give good things to them that ask him? I'm not talking a name it and claim it gospel. I'm not talking a prosperity gospel. I'm talking we're coming as a child of God to the Father and we have a need for his work. How much more does he want to provide for us? And, and knowing the character of God. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 it says, we don't have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He said, we don't have a God that's up there and, and is just cold and indifferent toward us. What are you coming here for? He is moved with what is moving our hearts. He is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And, and it says that He then invites us to come to Him that we may obtain mercy to help in time of need. He is, he is more empathetic and, and compassionate than any of us or all of us combined. And so you would think, man, there, there was, there's no one that cares for me like Jesus. I'm going to go to Him continually. And that's what Paul did. But we don't believe it makes much of a difference. And really, that is a, a slap in the face of God. It's an attack on the character of God. And it's a mockery of God. Secondly, we don't pray more is we don't recognize our need. I am guilty I am helpless, I am blind, I am powerless, I am naive, I am lost. These are, these are all the things and so much more that every day when we wake up, it ought to be, man, oh man, God, do I ever need you? I, I, will, I will be deceived today if, if you don't give me wisdom. And God, I don't have the power to, to respond to the circumstances that are going to come up today in a godly manner that honors you. And, and Lord, I need wisdom. I don't know what to do in this situation. And, and Lord, I am blind. I, I don't even see the things you want me to see. 
but we think we're getting along fine, muddling our way through life. You know, when, when you're mediocre and you surround yourself with mediocrity, um, then you think you're not too bad. When bad teams play bad teams, they think they're good. I could make a lot of comments there, but I, I better not, okay? But when you, when you measure yourself against a higher standard, And, and we think this is the norm of Christianity. I ask, where is the power of God? If, if Paul showed up in Christianity today, would he say, man, this is everything I dreamed of it to be. If Paul followed us around for a day or a week, would he say, wow, this is But see, we're getting along. And we don't realize our our desperate need. See, prayer is humbling. Prayer is coming and it's saying, God, I need you. And by nature, we don't like to humble ourselves. We don't like to say, God, I need you. And we need to embrace that and we need to make it a habit of continually going before God. And as Paul did, God help the believers in Colossae and and without you they won't make it. And I can't help them and I am praying that you would fill them with the knowledge of your will and spiritual understanding and wisdom. And, And he went before them and prayed. We don't pray more because we don't recognize our need. Thirdly, we, we sometimes think we are undeserving of answered prayer. Well, I'm not the greatest Christian, and, and who am I, and why should God answer my prayer? Answered prayer is not because of what we have done, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ and the merciful, gracious generosity of God to His children. That's why God answers prayer. But Satan battles us. Well, who are you to go before God and ask this? And who are you to even go before God? You know, you blew it last night with your kids, or you blew it here, and and you haven't been really. And, and yet, on the other hand, sometimes we think, and we go before God. God, I've really been trying to do what you want. I've read my Bible every day this week. I've, I've gone to church. I did my Colossians book study. So God, would you answer my prayer? Oh, oh, you're really getting with... Yeah, I'll answer. That isn't how God answers prayer. We come to Him as little children. And as a child, by faith in Jesus Christ, He answers prayer because of the generosity and the graciousness of His Spirit and His love for His children. And we aren't deserving, none of us are deserving 
of God's answer to prayer. But we allow that to, to cause us to stumble. Number four, we don't realize the spiritual warfare we are in. Ephesians 6 talks about the armor. And we'll go through and we'll talk about the armor, put on the, all the pieces of the armor. And at the end of that, it says, praying always. When you get all the armor on, Be praying always in all prayer and supplication. It's like you get the armor on. Now this is what you need to do to activate the armor. Why? Because it is through prayer that we get the battle plans, that we get the protection, that we get the ammunition, that we get the reinforcements, that we get the strength. If If we were exposed for 10 seconds to the spiritual warfare that is going on right now in our lives, we would walk out of here crying out to God for mercy. Because Satan is seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. He never loses strength. He never loses power. He is far greater than any of us can be. And, and we, we, if we caught a glimpse of it, we would be prayer warriors. We would be going before God in prayer. And this is why Satan, this is why it's so hard for us to pray, because it's spiritual warfare. He knows that the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So he is going to cut off any might that we have, and that's us going through God. And because we're naive or willfully ignorant of the spiritual warfare, he's got us where he wants us. We're not getting the power of God. We're not in the presence of God being encouraged by God. We're not given the protection, the ammunition, the reinforcements, the strength. It's spiritual warfare. And why is it so hard to pray? Because Satan resists it every time. You've seen it in your own life. You're committed to pray and, and something comes up and you, you get busy in this. You're distracted in this. You start praying and your mind's going off in this. And, and it is a battle. It's called prayer warriors for a reason. You don't just um, gently tiptoe in and dance around prayer. It is warfare for us to go into the presence of God. And, and Satan will do everything he can to hinder it. And, and would to God we had as much spizzerinctum in our life as we do in the flesh. Some of us, if someone tells us you can't do that, We say, I'll prove to you I can. Satan comes and resists us and we put our tail between our legs and go away. And and we need to have, I nothing is going to stop me from the presence of God. I have to know God. Paul prayed continually. We don't realize the spiritual warfare. Number five, we have different priorities than God. 
We sing the song. We know the verse. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be taken care of. What's he talking about? What you eat, what you drink, how you're clothed, all these things of this life will be taken care of. Seek first the kingdom of God. We oftentimes see prayer as trying to convince God to be on our program. God, will you bless this? God, will you help my plans here? Will you meet my needs And we're trying to convince God to get on our program. God says, you get on my program. And he said, I'll take care of all these things. God, there's a lot of things that aren't a a high priority with God. But often they are with us. And, And... so we're asking God, and, and it's not the priority that He wants in our life, and so we're back to number one. We don't believe it makes a difference. I can't ever get God on my program. Well, we don't say it that way. We say, I can't ever get God to answer my prayers. But really what we're saying is, I can't get God to do what I want Him to do. But when we get on His program, when we sang, King of my life, I crown thee. When He's the King, God, I need these supplies for Your work here. God loves to supply. So, what do we do about it? Number one, you must establish the connection with God. I don't see it so much anymore, but... um, there's cell phone dead spots, okay? And you know where they are. And, and someone's driving and it's important. You'll see them pull over on the side of the road. And, and they're there because they know going down Wolf Creek is a dead spot. And, and I, need, I can't have this phone die. So they do what is necessary to make sure they have a good connection. Well, we're born into this world separated from God. We don't have a connection. And Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sin. You'll read about it this week in the crucifixion that when He was crucified, the veil in the temple that kept everyone out of the Holy of Holies, the presence of God, only the high priest could go in there once a year. No one else could go in there. That veil was torn. It was a huge, heavy, like a heavy rug was torn from the top to the bottom. And access was given to God through the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. So we must establish the connection. We must have access to God, and that only comes as we trust Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin and we become a child of God. When when we are a child of God, we have direct access to God. We can any child in a proper home can walk into the home anytime they want 
They, they don't need to knock on the door. They don't need to call, Dad, can I come in the house today? It's not a, it's not a good, good family if, if they have to do that, all right? The problem is they don't shut the door when they come in, right? But the, you must have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and then we have access to the Father, and, and we have the privilege of going to Him. Christ's death paid the penalty for our sin, and we now have access to the Father. So we must establish a connection through Jesus Christ with the Father. Secondly, we must confess our sin. What do we do about it now? You're here today and you say, you know, God's challenging me about my need to pray more or my need to pray. We need to confess, God, I am sorry that I have grieved your spirit. It's been a slap in your face by me going other places, depending on the work of my flesh, and, and not coming to you in prayer. I have doubted your character. I have slandered your character by my actions. And my prayerlessness has said, God, I don't need you. See, we wouldn't verbalize those words, would we? We wouldn't, we wouldn't think of saying, God, I don't need you. But our prayerlessness is saying to God, oh, they don't need me. And, and we go on and we don't need him until we're in deep trouble. But we need to come back and, and we need to confess our prayerlessness. And then, number three, just start. Start praying. Well, I want to I get a, a special notebook that will be my prayer journal. And, and you know what? It'll take you three months to get that prayer journal. Well... Dollar generals out of them and, and family dollar. I don't, I want a spiral box. See, all these things keep us from praying. Well, I want to start on Monday. You may be dead before Monday, okay? I mean, this is how Satan works. Start when, when it just gets right. No, just start. Well, I don't really know how. Ask God. God, I'm sorry I haven't, I haven't come to you. And you need to start today. And God, help me to pray. I don't even know how to talk to you. I don't even know what. But just tell him that. Just go. Start. I mean, all these things. And I say all this because I know I've been there and done those things. But, well, I'll, I'll do it tomorrow morning, you know, when I get up and read. Okay? You're going to do it tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning, something happens. The coffee maker breaks, the cows are out, um, the cars broke down, or you sleep in, or you just, you just forget. See, it's, it, and it begins, start, but then if you, don't, if you don't schedule it, it will not happen. I mean, you schedule what's important in your life. And you do that because you want to make sure it happens. So it is. It's, okay, start today and get a set time. This is when I'm going to do it. Number four, and, and it's not just a set time, but number four, talk and commune and fellowship with God. Make it personal. Make it from the heart. 
man, God, what a beautiful sunset you gave us today. Thank you for that. Talk to God. I mean, praise Him. Give thanks. Ask Him, God, I need wisdom today as you're driving to work. God, I need wisdom today. These decisions to make. See, Philippians 4, 6 says, In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. In everything. So you're going out to work the cattle. God, I need your help. Work the cattle. I've done this for 40 years. It's no big deal. Or whatever it is. Changing the oil. Whatever it is. God, I need your help. Um, and, and to commune with Him. And, and just, it's a relationship. You don't have to say, God, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, I come before you. You don't need to use thou's and these and father, father, father and all these other. You don't do that. You go, I don't talk to Marilyn and say, Marilyn, I just want you to know, Marilyn, that, that you're very special to me, Marilyn. And You know what I'm saying? Listen to your prayers sometimes. It's better to pray that way than not at all. But what I'm trying to say is make it personal. Get God wants personally to relate to us. He wants us to cast all our care upon Him. Why? Because He cares for you. In all your ways acknowledge Him. How do you acknowledge God in all your ways? Only through prayer. God, I'm going to work today. Or I'm going shopping today. And I want you to give me direction what I need to buy and what I don't need to buy. I'm not saying everything. You commit your way unto the Lord and He will direct your paths. And it is communing with God. It's a personal relationship. And number five, pray for others. It's always encouraging to hear someone is praying for you. This last week, someone sent me a text and and said, just want you to know that, that we're praying for you. No one ever gets that and says, oh, come on, quit wasting your prayers. on." That is always an encouragement. Oh, why are you praying for me? You think I'm a big sinner? Well, you've got bigger issues if you're thinking that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Everybody is encouraged when, when someone sends them a text or a card or call or or says, I just want you to know that, that I'm praying for you. And, and we ought to be praying for others. I mean, what, is, what a simple way um, that instant church directory, just get on there, go through, and you can just start praying. You can see their faces. You can pray for them. And, and this is what Paul was doing here. These are people you know. Let alone praying for the Nubians or praying for the believers in Chile or the ones in France or the ones in the Philippines or wherever. But it's so hard for us to just get off our own self to pray for others. It's encouraging and helping and ministering. 
So, we ask today, what are you going to do to change your prayer practice? There may be some of you here that, first of all, need to trust Christ. I would assume the majority of you here know Christ, but how much are we going to the throne room of grace to find mercy to help in time of need? Honestly, the throne room of God ought to be filled with believers all over the world. What's going on in our world in the last two years should make every one of us pray more than we have ever prayed before. And not just, Lord, get me out of here. It's, Lord, make me useful. You notice, Paul wasn't praying, Lord, get me out of here. Paul wasn't praying, change the political atmosphere in in Rome. He was praying that the believers would be built up. He was praying for strength in Christ. So we asked this morning, what are you going to do to change your prayer practices? I mean, God said, my house will be called a house of prayer. I'm, I'm grateful for the men that, that show up on Wednesday night and the women that show up on Wednesday night to pray. But I know even in that, our prayer can... Our prayer can be much, much, much more powerful and spirit-filled and, and useful to God. I mean, you know, why do we hesitate to come to the Lord? I mean, especially we're in believers. We're not, we're not in Daniel's day that if you pray to that God... We're throwing you to the lion's den. And Daniel said, I, that can't stop me because I need prayer. I need God's power. I need His wisdom. I need His direction. So what are you going to do to change your prayer life as a result of today? Heavenly Father, please forgive us for ignoring you through the lack of prayer. And Lord, I acknowledge that there is much that I can do to improve my prayer life. And I pray that you would be pleased through the steps of action that we take to be a house of prayer, to be people of prayer, to have the power of You that only comes through prayer. So Lord, I pray that that we would be obedient to Your Spirit. I know Your Spirit is, is challenging us and convicting us. And so Lord, may we do whatever's necessary to pray as we never have before. And I pray if there is one here today that has never been able to have access to You because they've never called upon Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray today they would call upon You for the forgiveness of sins. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed.